All right, let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And I want to continue down a path that we started a few weeks ago when we started looking at the shun words. These are words related to your salvation. Adoption, justification, imputation, redemption. Uh, There's about 14 of them. And they are words that are fast disappearing from the modern ministry. Because any more people don't think doctrine is important, or at least a lot of them don't. Not everybody. But it's not enough just to know you're not going to hell. And that you're going to heaven. That's great. But there's so much more to it than that. We looked at justification, whereby God in his courtroom declares us just. It's a judicial act. Uh, It's done in God's court. There's no feelings involved, but it is a reality. The Bible says being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason for that was the very next word we went to is the word imputation. To put to the charge of somebody, to put to the credit of somebody. In other words, Christ imputed his righteousness to us. And then God imputed our sins to Christ. It's called in theology the exchanged life. I was claiming a verse this week. Uh, keep your hand here, if you will. Just go to, go to Psalm 55. Let me show you how this works. It's, a, it's another judicial act. And so some might say, well, so what? Something in God's courtroom? If I don't get a feeling from it, what does it matter? Well, that, that's a foolish way to think. But let me answer that. Let me answer that anyways. I was in Psalm I was in Psalm 55 and I was in verse 22. And and it was a, it was a verse I needed that day. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. You ever had a burden that was more than you could carry? Okay? Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. You ever go to claim a promise and have the deceiver tell you you're not qualified? You can't claim that verse. That's not you. You haven't been good enough. Devil ever do that to you? Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You ever have a day when you needed to claim a promise, but you didn't feel righteous enough? And that's what the devil was doing to me. So you know how I answered the devil on this? For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. They say, that's a little weird talking to the devil. Well, you wouldn't want to know Martin Luther in the 1500s. (laughs) He used to argue with the devil all the time. And I said, I'm not claiming my righteousness. 
I'm claiming imputed righteousness. The righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. How God sees me positionally, judicially. And if you're saved here this morning, that's true of you. That's why these words are important. That's why these concepts are important. We looked at adoption. Where we are adopted into the family of God as a child of God. We looked at redemption. Where God buys back that which was his at one time. Mankind fell in Genesis chapter 3. And we were all born with sin natures. We are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. But what did he do? He bought us back. And then we looked at propitiation. How did he buy us back? He made the payment. It's a payment made to get two that are at enmity back together. And the unique part about this is God is the offended party, folks. We poked him in the eye, not the other way around. We sinned against his holy law. <clears throat> again and again and again. <clears throat> and what did he do? <clears throat> he, the offended party, made the payment. He loved us so much and wanted to get back together with us and bring us back into the fold that he sent his son to be the propitiation, that payment for our sins. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We looked at reconciliation. And reconciliation is the result of propitiation. Uh, in the ministry, one of the delights and sorrows of being in this position is to work with people when they're having difficulty in their marriage. It, it's a sorrow when it doesn't work out. It's a delight when it does. And it's a wonderful thing when a couple has been happily married for many, many years. Uh, my wife and I can see 50 from where we're standing. It's been 47 years. And uh, we've never seriously thought about breaking up. One of the reasons for that is I told her, you ever leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> so she might as well stay. But we all know the joy of, of seeing someone who is struggling, a couple that is struggling, and they get reconciled. And you know who the happiest is for all of that? The children. By the way, as I'm preaching to married couples this morning and, and, and couples that are anticipating marriage, don't ever spout off the lie, the kids will be better off. There's very few cases where that's true. That's an excuse for your selfishness and the hurt you're going to inflict on those kids because of your hard-heartedness. Jesus is the one that said that. Jesus is the one that unearthed the motive for divorce. And it's selfishness. It's selfish, hard-heartedness. But isn't it wonderful when hearts soften and a couple is brought back together? And by the way, so many couples that have been through crisis that have stayed with it and put it back together. And I'm talking about some of them after the divorce papers have been signed. Got it back together. They will tell you that they found through that crisis 
that which they had been looking for somewhere else. Sometimes all it is is for us to change our perspective. And what a wonderful, beautiful thing it is. And God reconciled himself to us through Jesus Christ who became the propitiation for our sins. Now I want to take you to one that's a little bit different than the others. All these up till now were, were judicial. Uh, they were done uh, mostly for us and, and to us. But this next one is something that's not only done for us and to us, but it's done in us. In fact, that's primarily where it's done. And it's found here in John chapter 3. And it's the seventh of these shun words. It's the word regeneration. Regeneration. It's not judicial. It's not something that God declares in his courtroom. It's something that takes place inside, literally inside of our bodies. Our spirits are born again by the Spirit of God. And it's less so a state of standing than it is a, a, a change. It's less so, excuse me, it's less so a change of standing than it is a change of our state. And by the way, this is where the, the changed life comes from. When somebody gets saved and there's a radical change in their life, it's because of this. It's because of regeneration. Let's take a look at it in John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Now, some have suggested that Nicodemus was just flattering up Jesus. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know motives. I, I don't. Uh, personally, I, I see Nicodemus as you get through the Gospels. He's a sincere seeker. And uh, it, it may have just been that, that he was awestruck to be in the presence of the Lord. But notice that Jesus didn't worry about the small talk here. He goes straight to the issue. And in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now think of this. He's dealing with one of the premier religious leaders of his time. And you know what? Jesus looked past all of that religious veneer straight to the man's need. And his need was no different than the need of the man in Mark 5, the maniac of Gadara. He needed to be born again, folks. He needed to be born again. And maybe I'm talking to somebody here this morning, you're religious. Maybe somebody is looking in online and you're religious. You can afford to do no less than trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Just as someone like the maniac of Gadara needs to do no more, you can afford to do no less than trust Christ. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now again, I've heard this preached. There was a sense of sarcasm here. I don't take it that way. I think the man was serious. I think the man was seeking. He came to Jesus by night. Why did he come by night? 
Well, he came because he was probably afraid of his peers. He was afraid of the rest of the Sanhedrin. Uh, he knew he had ran the potential of losing his position, whatever the case. But I believe he's sincere and he's, he's perplexed here. But he's perplexed because he's thinking in terms of the physical and not the spiritual. Now, if you look at verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, some have taken verse 5 to say, Well, you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. You see, the water and the Spirit. But that's not the case. When you look at the context, the very next verse, Jesus is going to tell us what he meant when he said being born of water. Look at verse 6. That which is born of the what? Flesh is flesh. That's your first birth. By the way, for nine months, you floated around in embiotic fluid, essentially water. Your first birth is a water birth. Uh, you run to the hospital, husband, when your wife says the water broke, right? And so that's the first birth. And then in verse 6, and he says, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So in order to get to heaven, you got to be born twice. Obviously, you have to be born physically or you wouldn't be. And then you're born spiritually so you can be made fit to go to heaven. And so then we see in verse 7, Jesus goes on to say this, this learned man, this learned man of Israel, marvel not that I send unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And now here is the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now what is Jesus saying? In verse 8, he is saying to try to understand what takes place in a person's life when they're born again is like trying to understand where the wind came from, when you felt the effect, where did it come from, and where did it go? It, it, it's rather elusive. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. There are some of you here this morning, not unlike myself, that when you got saved, people looked at you and said, what happened to you? The, the change was so dramatic. It was so, so unexplainable. It was so unexplainable. I, I had more than one of my old friends, when they finally realized I, I meant business about knowing Christ as my Savior, coming out of the drug culture of the late 60s and early 70s, and all that went with that, Several of them just said to me, Rick, something has happened to you. And they couldn't figure it out. Religious people can't figure it out. Uh, they go through the ritual. They, they check the boxes. They do the things that are prescribed. But some of you here this morning, you went through that. You went through all of that. And in the end, Nothing. Nothing but labels, nothing but veneers, nothing but placebos, still dead in your sins. Some of you here this morning, or, or those looking in, that, that were not religious by nature. You looked at somebody who was born again, and you thought, they're crazy. What, what, what are they about? One guy said to me, 
Rick, you were messed up on drugs. Now you're messed up on Jesus. <laughs> I said, amen. <laughs> you're right, I am. Call it what you want. And then you look at verse 9. Nicodemus is still perplexed. And again, he says in verse 9, he answered and said unto him, how can these things be? You see, Nicodemus was a man that had checked all the boxes. He had all of the learning. He had all of the respect. He had all the recognition. And yet he was not born again. He was not regenerated. He had things that, that he attached himself to that attached himself to him, religiously and traditionally speaking, but they didn't make a real change inside from the inside out. You can't be saved by cleaning it up outside. Now look, if you're saved, it should get cleaned up on the outside. Because what's down in the well eventually comes up in the bucket, amen? But that's not how you get saved. Any more than you could take a pig and get it out of the mud and clean it all up and, and, and if it's a female pig, put a bow, and, well, she doesn't have hair, but put a bow on her head <laughs> and spray her up with foo-foo spray and not expect her to see the first mud puddle she see, sees and take a complete mud bath in spite of what you did to her externally. Uh, the Bi now, the Bible isn't any more flattering to the lost man. The Bible talks about the sow returning to her wallowing in the mire uh, as a religious person who's not saved. But then he talks about a dog returning to his vomit. Not very flattering. You ever see a dog eat something that shouldn't be eaten? Vomit is bad enough. I've seen other things. And man, you could take a dog. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I... When we have pets, I, I love, I guess I love my pets. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't love them as much as other people because some people, they'll let their dog just lick their face. And, you know, I mean, they're licking you across the lips. And sometimes they hit the tip of your tongue. and Because I've seen where that dog's mouth has been. <laughs> and the expression dog's breath well, there's a reality to it. And what's, what's the Lord telling us? You can take a lost man and you can clean him up on the outside and, and tell him he's... In fact, you could tell him, hey, you're a sheep now. You're a sheep. You know, an old story is told about uh, back in the day, this group of people that believed in baptismal regeneration. I believe they were Church of Christ. And, it went, and when this, this one preacher would baptize, he'd say... He'd say, uh, he says, you're a goat, and you go into the water, and now you come out a sheep. And he would say that when he baptized him. You come out a sheep. You come out a sheep. So a, a, a little boy that, that, that owned, an old, uh, owned a little billy goat, little farm boy, he decided he'd try that with the billy goat. And he went to the stock tank, and, and, he, and he put the goat in the stock tank and, and pushed his head down in the water, and man, that goat came out and bucked him halfway across, across the front yard. And he said, he says, 
You're no sheep. You're still just an old billy goat. And, and folks, that's what religion does. Religion can clean us up on the outside, but it doesn't do anything for the inside. And if you were like me, I wanted to change. I, I wanted to get rid of those things that I was doing. Those things were catching up with me, folks. I mean, if you've ever had any involvement in the drug culture and the hard rock and roll and things that go with it, you start coming in, into, into contact with and having encounters with demon spirits. I wasn't ready for any of that. And I don't think, I don't care how uh, tough and rough you think you are. You know, I, I watch guys walk around, man, tatted up from head to toe and, and all muscular and they got all these shirts and, and they got skulls and Satan this and Satan that and all that. Man, I'm tough. And I, I tell you, you ever have a real encounter with a demon spirit, it'll turn you into a little thumb-sucking girl is what it'll turn you into. And folks, I wanted rid of all that, but I didn't know what to do. I went to the priest. He didn't have any answers. He was, I found out later on he was an alcoholic. Man, I, 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 I tried to go into Mass and being real serious. I tried praying to Mary. I hailed Mary until she hailed back. And it wasn't working, folks. It wasn't working. I, I mean, I, they, the, the Maharaji, whoever he was, uh, was coming into the Chicago suburbs. I remember I marked the date, but I forgot because I got stoned one night and spaced it. Uh, somebody told me about the Peace Corps. Uh, you, go, you go overseas and show people how to plant corn and get fresh water. I was from the city. I thought corn grew in cans. I wouldn't have been much help there. But I wanted some way to atone for my sins and have a change. And you know what God finally gave me? He gave me regeneration. To be regenerated, to be born again, to become new from the inside out. This is done in us. It's not a change of our standing, but it's a change of our state. And we will experience it. We will feel it. We will live it. Uh, keep your hand here, if you will, and turn to Galatians chapter 5. And as a result of this, God gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And, and that's the wonderful thing about being born again, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what habits have a grip on you, it can all be changed because you become a new person in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God doesn't try to reform the old man. He just gives you a new man that takes ascendancy. And that new man is Christ in you. The Bible says the hope of glory. Look at Galatians chapter 5. And um, take a look at verse, let's get some context here. Uh, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and if you've come through this far unscathed then he says and such like <laughs> just in case just in case we miss you with those others and, and by the way uh you're you're looking this, the address you just read here is misery lane is it not 
All the misery in this world, is, is, it, it has its root in sin and selfishness and self-consumption. And he says, and such, such like, and he says, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch verse 22. Look at this contrast. But the fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, the address here is Wonderful Street. <laughs> because when those things take over in our lives, when we allow the Spirit to have ascendancy as we are born again and we now have the Spirit of God living inside of us, the fruit He bears is love and, and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Uh, folks, you can't fake all of those at once. Only God can do that in you. So often I hear people say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. Make an excuse for some sin or tendency they have. That's just the way I am. Talking to a guy one time that uh, had a problem with his temper, he had an anger problem. And he said, that's just the way I am. He said to me, he said, it, it, he says, I, I, don't, I don't get angry, but every once in a while, I said, sir, a hand grenade is only made to go off once. But the devastation can be irreparable. And, and, and if, you, if you profess to know Christ as your Savior, that's not just the way that you are. Not in Christ. That might be you and the old man, but that's not Christ in you. So what does God do? Hey, I don't care what kind. You say, well, you know, that, that's part of my DNA. That's how I was raised. My family's like that. Or this is how I am. Or this is just always the way I've been. Well, then God wants to change you. By replacing those works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Is there anybody here that doesn't want joy? <laughs> Peace. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. How much longer do I have to put up with, with this or that or him or them? A little longer. <laughs> Long-suffering. Gentleness. Uh, David said, thy gentleness hath made me great. Aren't you glad God is gentle? What if God just dropped the hammer on you and I every time we stepped out of line? Folks, we'd all be dead. We'd all be dead and in hell. Goodness, faith, meekness. By the way, meekness is not mousiness, it's power under control. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. He had great power with God. He's the man that lifted up the rod and the Red Sea parted. But he had that power under control. There was one time God got so mad with Israel, he said, let me wipe them out and I'll start all over again with you. And Moses fell on his face and interceded for Israel. That's how meek he was. Temperance. Boy, if, if, if there's ever been a time where our country needed temperance, it's, it's right now, huh? Brother Brant, temperance. Temperance. Brother Brant heads up our RU, Reformers Unanimous Ministry. And you know what? When you get saved, God puts the Spirit of God inside of you, and, and you have the potential for all of those 
all of the time, all at once. And when that happens, folks, all of that stuff that you've always been or that, that you've been predisposed to or, or people buttonholed you and pigeonholed you into or cornered you into, it's gone. Because a new creature, a new creation takes over. Now, God doesn't overpower your personality. Don't misunderstand. God doesn't take you and turn you into a robot. God still uses, if you're sanguine, you're still going to be a sanguine person, extrovert, or if you're a more introverted person or whatever, but it'll be tempered by the Holy Spirit instead of working in the power of the flesh. And, and why? And why? Because we've been born again. We've been regenerated. We've been made alive again from the inside out. Now let's go back to John chapter 3, and I want to wrap this up with a statement that Jesus makes to Nicodemus. And it's found in verse 10. It's found in verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him. Now he challenges Nicodemus here. And like I said, Jesus is kind with this man. And I believe the man is sincere, but Jesus is very direct. In the beginning, he just sweeps aside the small talk and gets straight to the man's need. You need to be born again. Basically, he's saying, I don't care how many degrees you have or credentials or what your pedigree is. You need to be born again. And he's very direct with him. And notice what else he does. He challenges him here in verse 10. And he says, he says Art thou a master of Israel? And true, he was. And knowest not these things? Now, folks, that was the trouble with Israel. Their religious leadership had let them down. I, I, look at, I look at the trouble that our country has, especially, you do understand our big cities are crumbling. And I don't mean infrastructure. I'm not talking about sewer and water and building. I, I, I'm talking about even on a functional, a functional level, never, never mind the moral and ethical and everything else, on a functional level. I mean, protesters blocking roads now and, 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 and fights erupting. And, and, of course, you know, we've seen cities burn and things like this. And, and they keep talking about, you know, what's, what's wrong with the inner city and, and, uh, and, 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 and racial issues and stuff like that. And, and I'll tell you what, what breaks my heart. They talk about the disproportional amount of black young men in prisons. And, and it's got to be cops. Well, we're getting a little tense here. Uh, this still is a bastion of freedom. <laughs> we don't have to speak politically correct. We can speak the truth here. Okay? How long this is going to last, I don't know, but we still can. You know where I believe the blood of black America is going to be laid at the feet of? It's going to be laid at the feet of the black ministry. The vast majority of black preachers a long time ago quit preaching repentance and substituted victimhood and social justice for salvation. Not all of them. Thank God there are some good ones. Brother Burnett, back east, there's some that we support. Uh, our brother in uh, uh, Lima, Anthony Rudolph, which by the way, we're trying to get him in for the missions conference. Not all of them, but the vast majority 
have, have given up, have given up on preaching salvation and they're preaching victimhood. And we're seeing the results. And, and by the way, Whitey isn't too far behind. The demise of the black family, the demise of the white family. And, 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 and by the way, today everybody's a victim. Uh, how many of you are left-handed? We're 10% of the population. We are a persecuted minority. <laughs> Everything in this world is built for right-handed people. I, I use a weed whacker, I gotta use it backwards. <laughs> I use a chainsaw, I gotta use it backwards. I think after the service this morning, I'm gonna wash my hands and go suck my thumb. <laughs> what's needed, folks, what's needed? What's needed is regeneration, a new birth. Uh, our country's coming apart. The world is coming apart. What is the answer? Is the answer social justice? Is the answer economic justice? Is the answer a different president? Is the answer what? The answer is the new birth. Like one black preacher said one time, he said, we don't have a skin problem. He says, we got a sin problem. And whether you're white or black or red or yellow, it doesn't matter. You need to be born again. Jesus said to this religious man who probably memorized more of the Old Testament than we'll ever ourselves, and he looked at this man in the eye and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Without the new birth, we can be religious and we can just keep it pent up, but it's still there. It's a seething cauldron. But we keep it pent up and we keep it covered up just for appearances sake. But the people that know us best, well, they know us. They know us. And there's all those dirty little secrets of man-made religion that nobody wants to talk about. Or if we're not religion, just throw caution to the wind. And as they said back in the old days, in the 70s, I hate to say that's the old days, the expression, let it all hang out. If it feels good, do it. If you're a sinner, make sure they know you're a sinner at 100 yards. They can see you coming a mile away. You know what the need is? The new birth. Regeneration. One of those shun words. Where we trust Christ as our Savior. Um, keep your hand here if you wouldn't. Just turn back a page or so and go to John chapter 1 and, and look, at verse, look at verse 11. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came unto his own. Jesus came to the Jews. And his own received him not. They had him crucified. But look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. There's a new birth. Even to them that believe on his name. You can be born again this morning, my friend. Whether you're here in this building or looking in online, if you'll receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Spirit of God will come and live inside of you, and you will be born again. <coughs> born twice, you only die once. Born once, you die twice. Jesus said you must be born again. Let's finish up by looking at chapter 3 and verse 10. Now, as I said to you, let me go back to where we were going. 
Jesus challenges this man right here. And he says in verse 10, he says, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And then Jesus goes on to talk about uh, Moses lifting up in the serpent in that great section of Scripture between verses uh, 14 and, and 21. And, of course, John three sixteen, the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, well, how does this story end? Well, we won't take the time to chronicle that this morning, because there's several other steps that involve Nicodemus, but when you get when you get to the when you get to the crucifixion of Christ, it looks like Nicodemus is a follower. What Jesus did here worked. But let me reference verse 10. He says, You a master in Israel, and you don't know these things? I often wondered what was Jesus referring to? Where how, how would a man know about the new birth? What portion of Scripture would even maybe allude to that, much less speak directly to it? Take your Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 22. And, and I'm going to qualify what I'm about to say by saying that, that this alludes to the new, new birth. It doesn't say it specifically, but it alludes to it. And uh, perhaps this is what Jesus was referring to when he, when he basically mildly rebuked him. For not, for not understanding these things. Uh, look at verse uh, 27. Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the world shall re remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship, and all they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none shall keep alive his own soul. Now watch verse 30. And a seed shall serve him. Peter says we're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a what? Generation. A seed serves him, and it will be accounted to the Lord for a generation, a generation of them that are regenerated, that are born again by the incorruptible seed Verse 31, they shall come and shall declare his what? Righteousness, imputed righteousness as a result of being born again unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. Now, I've searched every commentary I know. I've searched the whole New Testament from Genesis to Malachi and look for any direct reference to the new birth and this is the closest I could come to. And like I said, it's in typology. It looks like something that alludes to the new birth. Folks, as we close this morning, if this man, if this man who was of great reputation in Israel, who knew, and, and by the way, the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, they, they, especially the Pharisees, valued the Bible to the point of, of literally memorizing large, large portions of it. It is said that some of them 
uh, had all the Pentateuch, the first five books, the books of Moses, committed to memory. This man was, I believe, a sincere seeker because in the end, he did come to Christ. He did become a follower. He was there at the crucifixion. And, 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 the, and, and, and it, it looks like he came to know the Lord. How about you this morning? How about you? Do you have all the trappings? But inside, you know you're dead. Those fruit aren't there. By the way, if you want to check as to whether you're saved, probably the best barometer is, do you bear the fruit of the Spirit? I didn't say, do you never make a mistake? I didn't say that. I didn't say, are you sinless? I said, do you bear the fruit? Is there a time in your life where it changed? Where there was some, there's something there now that wasn't there before. There, there's this new man. There's this good impulse that if you yield to it, overcomes the old bad impulses. The fruit of the Spirit over the works of the flesh. You see, this shun word is something that God does inside of us. We're born again by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Maybe you're looking in this morning and you've never been born again. We're not talking about being baptized. We're not talking about joining the church. We're not talking about turning over a new leaf and becoming a good person. We're talking about God crucifying that old man and giving you the new man by the Spirit of God living inside of you, being born again. Being born again. How many of you here this morning, before you got saved, you were living a pretty bad life? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Aren't you glad God changed that? Man, I remember before I was saved, it wasn't, it wasn't more than, I think, a couple months before I got saved. I was working at a Montgomery Ward's uh, parts warehouse in the suburbs of Chicago near O'Hare Airport. In fact, it was so close to the airport. I'll just tell you this one little story and hopefully not uh, distract myself. The first day I was on the job there, this, this, this bunch of buildings, these bunch of light industrial buildings, were in the flight line of, of one particular uh, route where they landed the plane. And the three buildings, the one building we were in, and then another one and another made a, made a horseshoe. And in the back between these buildings was the dumpster. And I was told to take some stuff out to the dumpster. Well, I went out to the dumpster, and I'm dumping the stuff, and I hear a plane coming. Now, when you live in Des Plaines, Illinois, planes overhead was nothing new. Um, there wasn't air conditioning much in those days. We lived in Des Plaines. Planes all the time overhead. You'd be on the phone, and, and you'd have to say, hang on. You'd stop, and you know, plane go by, and then you can start talking again. I heard a plane come out. I had my back to the open part of the horseshoe. I was at the closed end. I put all this garbage in, and I turned to see the nose of a plane looking like it was coming right at me. I mean, and when it came over my head, the, it, it looked like it blotted out the whole sky between these three buildings and scared me half to death. I mean, if somebody had, if somebody had given me the gospel prior to that, I would have gotten saved right there. 
I would have fallen on my face in repentance and trusted Christ as my Savior. So I'm working at this warehouse this one day. And again, that story had nothing to do with anything else. But, but I remember I was so under conviction one day. I was in between those parts bins, and I was putting parts in the bins and stuff. And I remember I just, I just stopped, and I just hung my head, and I said out loud where other people heard me. I said, God, I can't take this anymore. Please, please show yourself to me. And just a few months later, he did. He did. Are you that way this morning? Now, look, <laughs> I was playing it both ways. I still went to church. I, I wouldn't miss Mass on Sunday. But, boy, I was living the... I was living the life, what they called back in those days, the freak, the drugs, and the rock concerts and stuff. And it was, it was catching up. It was catching up. And I wanted something real. I wanted forgiveness. I wanted rid of that burden of sin. And what gave it to me? Being born again, being regenerated. Maybe you're a person who's, you know, you got it all buttoned up and bundled up kind of like Nicodemus had and, and, it, and it looks good on the outside but you know it's not there let's bow our heads for prayer our heads are bowed our eyes are closed Heavenly Father we pray for that one without Christ perhaps here in the building or looking in online and they're like Nicodemus they, they might be religious but, but they know there's an emptiness. There's still a void. And no matter what they do religiously, how, no matter how much they ramp it up, no matter how many more boxes they check, that emptiness persists. Perhaps there are others this morning. They're more like the maniac of Gadara. They're the wild man in the tombs. And in some cases, people are literally afraid of them. But it's the same problem and it's the same need. Father, we pray that this would be the day of days for them. They would bow their heart, they would bow their head and say yes to Jesus Christ. Come to him as their savior and allow the spirit of God to take residence and bear his fruit in their lives. Help us, Lord, that are believers to cultivate the new man and to yield to you and allow that new man to take ascendancy and conquer all those tendencies we, we were born with, that we developed, those sinful things that in many cases we've coddled, nurtured, and made pet sins of. Lord, may we walk in victory May we realize that we're crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live. But it's not us that lives, it's Christ that lives in us. In the life which we live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 414, 414, All I Need. Jesus. 
Brother Doty, would you come on up and close us in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come to you this morning, and Father, we thank you. Thank you that you save sinners, Lord. Thank you, Father, for each and every one of us. I know we all have this testimony at a time that you uh, came into our lives and changed our lives, Lord, and you let the Holy Spirit lead our lives. But we pray, Father, for those out there, even in the, who are watching on by TV, Lord, that, uh, Father, if they need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, today would be the day of their salvation. They just need to ask. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for us and what you will do for us and what you're going to do for us. Be with us today and bring us back this evening, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.